In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. Join me, Dr. Karen Kambule, as we pursue the Word, the Lord Jesus, searching scriptures to find solutions to life's issues. Welcome to Word Anchor Podcast. Download and share with your friends and your family. Stay blessed. Greetings again to another episode of Wet Anchor Podcast. We are still talking about the patient father to the prodigal son. In the past episode, we just leaned at scripture and looking at what the word of God says concerning us as parents, concerning God as a father to us and uh, the responsibilities of parents and of children, our relationship with our children, how we should view our children as a blessing, as a heritage. However, these two episodes are looking at the story of the prodigal son, the son that decided to leave his father and mother and go and live somewhere else, take his inheritance and go with it, even though the father was alive. Now, this episode looks at the parenting challenges, looks at the father of the prodigal son, how he felt. We also look at other stories of parents that have been viewed as failures in the Bible, even by God himself. After you have done it all as a parent, after you have taken your children to Sunday school, after you have read the word of God and prayed together, you had raised them up in the fear of the Lord, given them biblical principles, and you have taught them what is wrong and what is right. They may still go out there and mess up in a big way. They may still hurt you so much. They may still fall in a big way. Out there is a parent who is depressed and they go to sleep crying. Because they don't know whether their son or daughter is alive, whether he's well fed or lying under a bridge somewhere. In every bridge, whether he's a homeless young person or a young woman, young man, even a teenager, there is a parent somewhere else back home who cries themselves to sleep. I just imagine when I look at those homeless kids on the street, perhaps some of them don't have parents. Maybe some of them have run away from families that were mistreating them. Perhaps they lost their parents and they were not treated well by the relatives that were surviving. However, a lot of these young children, young men and young women, at the robots, at intersections in town, in cities, they're there begging. Some of them are into drugs. Some of them are alcoholics. Some of them just want the easy life in the street without any discipline, without any adult supervision, without any rules at home. There's a parent behind every child. Every one of them was born of a woman and of a man. Where are they? How do they feel when they go to sleep every day? They eat, they sleep, they wake up. Their child is not there. Some parents are being terrorized by their own children. They cringe when they hear the voice of their child coming into the house because they know it is time to fight. Some of these children will steal from their parents to feed a drug addiction. And some of them will leave their young children to chase after men, come back pregnant again, leave another child and go back again. Our social system in this country, South Africa, makes provision for a young woman or a mother who is unemployed to have a certain grant just to assist them. But some of these young people, they misuse that provision of government. It's as if having a child is a ticket to a good life. That grant is even very little. You can't do much with the money that they get. 
but they're excited to have um, that card. Every month they go get something and they go back and get another child as well. I'm not judging people that are having children out of wedlock or early. I also had a child out of wedlock. However, if you're going to continuously do the same mistake over and over again, there's a parent that has to step in assisting you because you keep on having a child that you cannot even afford. And again, I'm not judging anyone. I'm just saying that some of the parents are having it tough. I saw one child in a video arguing with their mother. They had brought some television people to come and interview this child. And this girl was about to leave and was fighting. Perhaps she felt embarrassed because there was television crew in the living room talking to her. And she wanted to leave. And the mother and whoever was there, their relatives, they were talking about how she leaves her child behind. And she was saying, I'm going to leave the child. And they're saying, who's going to take care of the child? She said, you'll take care of the child. And she was very rude, um, very, very rude, extremely rude. But she wanted the parent to take care of her own child. Those are the things that parents are facing out there. They are being terrorized by their own. Some of the children have been prayed for. The devils have been cast out only for them to go back again to their sinful lifestyles. And the Bible is very clear. When a demon is cast out, it goes and looks for a place where it can inhabit. And when it cannot find anything, it comes back to where it was. Before it comes, it goes and gets seven others. And it comes back and stays in there. And the Bible says the state of that person will be worse. Society has judged harshly parents whose children are in a mess. They will say you did not teach your child. You did not discipline them. Maybe they take after you. Have you truly failed as a parent? After all the prayers, after all the teaching and the discipline, have you really failed? Normally the sermons that we preach about a prodigal son look at the son and all his mess. Let us look at the parent, the one that waits for their children to change. The Bible talks about Eli who was a priest of God. The Bible says to us a young boy, Samuel, whose mother was Hannah, who went to the tabernacle and went to pray to request a child from God. And Eli saw her pray and cry and thought that she was drunk. However, when she told him that she's not drunk, she was just pouring out her heart to God. Eli then pronounced a blessing upon her that whatever it is that she was asking of God, that God will do it for her. She got a child named him Samuel, took him to the tabernacle where he would serve God under Eli. Now, when he was a, a young boy, God called Samuel into the prophetic ministry. And the first message that this young boy, Samuel, received concerned the sons of Eli and the displeasure of God concerning their behavior. In First Samuel chapter 3, verse 11 to 14, the word of God says, Then the Lord said to Samuel, I am about to do a shocking thing in Israel. I'm going to carry out all my threats against Eli and his family from beginning to end. I have warned him that judgment is coming upon his family forever because his sons are blaspheming God and he hasn't disciplined them. So I vowed that the sins of Eli and his sons will never be forgiven by sacrifices or offering. So Eli was a priest serving God well. And this is the way that God spoke to Samuel concerning Eli and his sons in verse 11 to 14 of First Samuel chapter 3. As a priest, it was expected that he was teaching his sons what to do, what not to do, especially because they were serving before God. Eli had blessed Hannah and Samuel was born. And this very Samuel 
is the one that God trusted with the message to go and tell Eli that your sons have messed up. Your sons are not serving me well. And I, as God, am not happy about it. God took exception to the conduct of Eli regarding his sons. It says Eli did not discipline them. In in 2 Samuel chapter 2, verse 12 to 15, it says, Now the sons of Eli were scoundrels who had no respect for the Lord or for their duties as priests. Whenever anyone offered a sacrifice, Eli's sons would send over a servant with a tree pronged fork while the meat of the sacrificed animal was still boiling. The servant would stick the fork into the pot and demand that whatever it brought up be given to Eli's sons. All the Israelites who came to worship at Shiloh were treated this way. Sometimes the servant would come even before the animal's fat have been burned on the altar. He would demand raw meat before it had been boiled so that it could be used for roasting. So they were not following the process and the procedure of the sacrifice and how they were supposed to get a certain portion on the meat that was to be sacrificed. God is very specific. God is very detailed. What he wants you to do, you ought to do it in the manner that he wants you to do it. He gave rules on what to do and how to do, the priest on what they ought to do. And these sons of Eli were not following it. These were like pastor's kids in the church misbehaving. They will be like pastor's kids who are serving but despising the sacrifices brought before the Lord. These young men were supposed to eat where they were serving, but it was wrong for them to take the sacrifice whilst it was still boiling and they had no regard for the sacrifice. And God was not happy about it. They sinned before God and God said Eli didn't discipline them. However, the Bible doesn't say Eli ignored all their misbehaviors. It says in 1 Samuel chapter 2 verse 22 to 25. Now Eli was very old, but he was aware of what his sons were doing to the people of Israel. He knew, for instance, that his sons were seducing the young women who assisted at the entrance of the tabernacle. Eli said to them, I have been hearing reports from all the people about the wicked things you are doing. Why do you keep sinning? You must stop, my sons. The reports I hear among the Lord's people are not good. If someone sins against another person, God can mediate for the guilty party. But if someone sins against the Lord, who can intercede? But Eli's sons would not listen to their father, for the Lord was already planning to put them to death. So Samuel did speak to his sons. Perhaps he should have excommunicated them. Perhaps he should have stopped them from serving before the Lord. However, God seems to have required a harsher punishment from Eli to his sons. Though he spoke to them, but God was not pleased. Whatever he did or said to them was not sufficient to him. It was like a pastor's kid taking the pulpit with a worship team drunk. We know the stories. Some of them come out from fornicating and take the mic to pray in church. Some of the pastor's uh, kids, the boys, would be sleeping around with girls in the church and still serve in the pulpit. And this is not just about judging sins. But God issued a punishment to the father because of the sons. And the Bible tells us that they both died in battle. And in that battle against the Philistines, the Ark of the Covenant was taken. Because of the sins of the sons of Eli, the Ark of the Covenant was taken. Israel was defeated. People died because of the sins of two young men. Eli, when he heard that the sons have died and the Ark was taken, fell on his chair and died. There is no way that Eli approved of his son's behaviors. He spoke to them and they did not listen. Perhaps he could have like 
other pastors today stopped them from serving. However, other pastors will let them to continue serving, hoping that they will change. So there is a great responsibility that is put on a parent in terms of teaching and in terms of discipline. And God as well does judge such things. Interestingly, Samuel, the very same one that got a message from God to tell Eli about his sons. Later on in the book of First um, Samuel chapter 8 verse 1 to 5, it says that Samuel's sons were appointed as judges over Israel. Their names were Joel and Abijah. And they were not like their father. They were greedy for money. They accepted bribes and perverted justice. Now this time, the judgment was not coming from God, but it came from the elders of Israel. And this is what they said to Samuel. You are now old and your sons are not like you. Give us a king to judge us like all the other nations have. So he suffered the same fate. His sons could not take over from him, just as Eli's sons could not take over from him. The Bible doesn't tell us that God killed them or anything like that, but they could not continue serving God because of how they behaved. Now let's come back to the prodigal son. For I'm sure Eli and Samuel were brokenhearted looking at how the sons were behaving. Now the Bible tells us of the story of the prodigal son. It's a very long story. It is an illustration from Jesus. It says, a man had two sons. The youngest son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. And that is an anomaly because the father has to die first and the will must be read and the inheritance be divided between the sons. Then it continues. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his field to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father, and whilst he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servant, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet, and kill the calf where we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast, for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. Luke chapter 15 from verses 11 to 24. This is a very interesting story. A story of a love of a father to his son. No matter how messed up the son was, the father loved him. The father waited for him. The father waited for the change that would happen to his son. This is a father that had taken care of his sons, two sons. He had amassed wealth enough to have an inheritance for his sons. An inheritance by nature, of course, to a son is on the death of the father, unless he chooses to allocate it for, to his sons and hand over and retire. 
Now, it was being forward for this son to require his portion of inheritance in the first place. However, the father, though he had every right to refuse his son, he didn't. The son left with his inheritance, booked himself to the best hotels, brought the girls, and they helped him finish all his inheritance. He was probably famous at the time in that land where he was. He lost every single cent that he went away with. He became broke. And back home, his father continued with life. His father continued amassing wealth. His father and his brother continued ensuring that the wealth of the family grew. This one had finished everything that he had. Many are parents whose life cannot stop simply because their child has chosen the streets instead of being home. Though the parent may cry, be depressed, they will continue with life whilst waiting for the son. Every parent whose child is out in the street probably wishes that they would return and make better choices. Of course, every parent wants their child back. Society might have judged this man harshly, just like God to Eli, that he did not discipline his son. Just like the elders of Israel to Samuel, that he did not discipline his son. This man could have refused and taught his son a lesson, but he chose to give his son a choice. That is one of the most important things, a choice. This son had a choice of staying at home. He chose to leave. He had a choice of using the money in a wise manner. He chose to misuse it. He had a choice of having good friends wherever he went. But he chose bad friends, misused the money, and came back home broke. It is one thing that he took his inheritance, but leaving his father's house was unnecessary. This was clear that he wanted to live his life on his own terms. Children these days want to live life on their own terms. They want to live their lives because they've got rights. According to constitutions of various countries, children have rights and they exercise it. However, when they get stuck, there is a parent back home that is waiting. His father was not there to guide him when he was out of his sight. His father did not see him wasting his money. He did not see him running out of money. The father did not see him hiring himself to become a servant to feed pigs. What is a parent supposed to do when he has given all that he could to his son or to his daughter? The Bible says to us this father was first to see the son in the horizon. He might have looked every single day, looked, perhaps he's coming today. Maybe he's going to come today. Let's fatten the calf, good people. Perhaps my son will come back. The Bible says he said this my son was dead but now is alive. Maybe the father already thought he is really dead. He could not have gone for that long without coming home just to greet at least. He probably thought the son was dead. Literally. He was a father waiting for his son to come back. There are many parents like that. Waiting for their sons and their daughters to come back home. Literally and figuratively. We know of stories of daughter of T.D. Jakes, Sarah Roberts now, she also went into a life, a difficult life, a life that the father was not proud of. It's written in her book though. This is a daughter whose father is a servant of God, well known, well respected by many people. But she messed up over and over again. You can imagine how people would have judged T.D. Jakes about his daughter. Look at what she is doing. Look at the trouble that she is in. T.D. Jakes waited for his daughter to come to herself and come back home. And she is a preacher of the word of God, a very powerful one. One day your son or your daughter will come back. 
They'll come back and testify how messed up they have been. They'll come back and testify how they heard your prayers in the midst of their drunken state. Your son and your daughter will come back and tell of how they remembered your word and your prayers, your instructions, your teaching, your discipline, your corrections. They've got ears. They've got brain. They've got memory. They remember all of these things. Even the daughter, I believe, of Benny Hinn also went into trouble as well at some point. Many are the children of pastors that go into serious trouble. Even the child of Creflodola, for example, also had some troubles as well. Now, this is like the father of the prodigal son waiting in the horizon, society judging you. But one day, your child will come to themselves. Why? Because your children shall be taught by the Lord and great shall be their peace. Yours and mine is to never let the devil take them and be comfortable with it. Yours and mine is to wait in the horizon and call our children. Yours and mine is to continuously pray whilst they are out there, whilst they are squandering their inheritance, whilst they are doing whatever they are doing. You don't see them. You don't live with them. You are not with them all the time. God sees. We just have to continuously put them in the hand of God and say, Father, remember this one. The Bible says to us that my sheep hear my voice and the voice of the stranger they will not hear. This is a scripture that I use many times concerning my children. I will not see them all the time. I will not go with them to school. I will not see them in the school ground. I will not see them in their workplaces. Yes, I've got children that are working already. I will not see them where they stay right now. But God will see them. And Jesus is the great shepherd. Let it be your prayer. Let it be your prayer, mother and father. Let it be your prayer, mommy and daddy, about your child, that they are the sheep of God. And they will hear his voice. They are his sheep because we put them in his hands and say, these are our children, but they are yours, father. Like Hannah, when she heard Samuel, she took him to the tabernacle to serve God. And she said, I'm giving you this one. This one is going to serve you. She didn't have any other child, but she gave that first one that she had to God. It is very important that we give our children over to God because he's the one that teaches them. He's the one that knows where they are. He's the one that sees what they do. He's the one that cares for them. He's the one that's got great plans for our children. Now I want to encourage you. If they have messed up, do not blame yourself. If you have taught them the word of God, if you have consulted them and corrected them, if you have disciplined them and done everything that you are supposed to do as a father or a mother, do not give up on them, but give them over to God. God will take care of them. God will watch over them. Yes, they may suffer a little while. Like this young prodigal son, he had to look at the pigs eating and wish that he could eat a little bit of something. He started working as a servant. A young man who had servants at home was working as a servant simply because of his disobedience now our children may struggle a little bit our children may go through stuff our children may end up depressed and unhappy like this young man who was feeding pigs but here is what comforts me and i hope it does with you as well that he came to himself and when he did he arose and went to his father be like that father that is waiting in the horizon be the mother that is waiting on the horizon. Never lose hope that your children will be well again. Never lose hope that God 
will reach out to your children. Never lose hope. He is the great shepherd that calls your children by name. He says, I know my sheep by name. They will hear my voice. I will call them. At times, indeed, they will struggle and suffer a little. They will be hungry. They will be frustrated. At times, they will be beaten. At times, they will go through stuff. Some of them will go to jail, but they will come to themselves. If you go to jails, you'll find young people that will say, my parents told me, my mother told me, I did not listen. I wish I did, but now I'm in jail. I pray that your children will not end up there. But if they do, wait like that father and say, Lord, I'm waiting for my son. He's going to come back sometimes. He's going to come back anytime soon. I'm waiting for him. Wait for your son as you wait on the Lord. He's busy teaching your son. He's busy teaching your daughter right now. Wherever they are, whatever they are doing, trust God to teach them. Never let the enemy have him. Never let the enemy have her. Never let the enemy think he has won the battle. Keep on standing up for your children. This is a generation that is doing so many things that are wrong. May the Lord God strengthen you as you wait for your child. May you keep on praying. May you pray for the next parent as well. When you see a child that is messed up, it's not about judging the parent, but it's about praying for the parent and the child. We grew up with a saying that it takes a village to raise a child. Let it now take a church to raise a child. We are not going to give up on them, even if they've messed up. Remember, if you are born again child of God, it means God the Father has saved you through his son Jesus. The father had to let his own son go to the cross and to the grave so that he would save you and me that are sinners. Today we are called children of God, though we are sinners. Though he knew no sin, he became sin for us. You can imagine when Jesus Christ had taken our sins unto himself on the cross and he felt the absence of the father and he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That was a pain that his father was not there, but it had to be so that we would gain the father, that we would gain eternal life. You and I have been forgiven and God is the same God that will forgive your children and mine. May the Lord strengthen you and keep you. May you stand on the word of God. May you keep confessing what is right concerning your children. The Lord be with you. Father, we thank you for each and every one of the children you have given to us. Some are very little, still babies. Some are old. Some are big. Some are somewhere in the middle, all messed up, and some are good children. All in all, Father, we thank you for each and every one is a blessing from you. Father God, I pray for each and every one who is a parent, who has a son or a daughter, who is like that prodigal son. I pray that the son or the daughter will come back that as they wait for their son and daughter in the horizon, that they will find joy, that there will be a celebration soon, that there will be a party, that the fattened calf would be killed so that there can be food and a celebration because that one that was lost has been found, because that one that was dead has come alive. I pray, Father God, that you will restore our children, Father. Restore them first to yourself and to us as well. May you strengthen the parent. May the one that has lost hope because of the children and what they have done and what they are doing right now, may you restore their hopes, O oh Father, because it is through hope, Father God, that they will be able to stand up in faith and call their children. Father God, our children are your sheep and they will hear your voice. 
Call them to yourself, Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, my Lord and my Savior. I thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this episode. I trust and believe that you are blessed and I do believe that you are strengthened and encouraged. You can check out my book, Confessions of a Parent, on Amazon.com or you can get in touch with me on social media so that you can get yourself a copy. Let us continue confessing the right words, the God words to our children. Shalom. Thank you for listening to the Word Anchor Podcast. To get copies of my books, The Bride of Jesus, Dear Girl Child, Confessions of a Parent, Victorious Youth, and From the Pit to the Palace, go to Amazon.com. You can buy a hard copy or a Kindle edition. Remember to check out the show notes. Connect with me on social media platforms. Give feedback and continue to spread the word. Tune in for the next episode and make the Word of God your anchor.